0: On today's edition of the Press Review, we're going to be talking Granite Jacker's future. We're going to be talking some more about Darwin Nunez. We'll be touching on William Saliba, as well as reviewing some of the performances of some of our stars on international duty. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning, and welcome back to another edition of the Press Review, the show in which we run through uh, Europe's newspapers, Britain's newspapers, and we pick out the best footballing stories. We discuss them. Some of them will be accurate, some of them will be pretty damn far fetched, but it's always nice to know what is going on in the world of football. I always think, anyway. So, um, lots and lots to get through, as always. Uh, Good morning to every single one of you who's joining us live at the moment. I know uh that this is pretty early for a weekend isn't it you know uh saturday 10am here in the uk but it's even earlier for some of our listeners across the pond and i want to give a very special shout out uh to one person in particular c HHS fans who joins us. It's currently 5 a.m. in Texas. He says, where are you, Harry? Love your shows. Was a couple of minutes late, as I always am. I do apologize. Uh, But I'm here now and welcome to the program, mate. Hope you are good. Uh, Big hello to CCAFC who says, uh, let's go. Morning, Harry. Uh, Big hello to Femi as well. Alex, Stephen Higgins, a compliment for the hat. There you go. Uh, Love it. Uh, Good morning to Henry Guna as well and to Walter, who says you sneak, Harry, just popping out out of nowhere. I did tell you guys yesterday that the press review is going to be coming to you guys at 10 a.m. I did say it was going to be Monday to Friday, but seeing as it's the international break and I'm not going to be able to bring you any content later on, um, I figured I'd do this today as well. I was due uh, to get down to Emirates Stadium this afternoon. because I got my press uh, accreditation through yesterday after we did the show. I got an email saying that I had accreditation. So I was going to pop down there, cover the game, enjoy the game, enjoy it in the sunshine and bring you guys some content around the Women's North London Derby. And then it was postponed, of course, uh, due um, due to the COVID outbreak at Spurs. And it's interesting because... The game got postponed and then I got the contact from Arsenal after it had been postponed. It must have been like some kind of automated email uh, saying, "Yep, you're accredited and this is where you pick up your pass, etc, etc. And then five minutes later, I got another one saying, we regrettably (laughs) inform you that the game has been postponed. But is what it is. I'll be there for whenever that game is rescheduled as long as it doesn't clash with the men's team. And I look forward to bringing you that content then. Uh, BS Rugby says, loving the Peaky Blinders look, Harry. Thank you very much, mate. I've got, do you know, what? over the last couple of years since I've been doing this, since I've been kind of podcasting and, and live streaming on a daily basis, I thought it were worthwhile to invest in a collection of hats. And why, you might ask? Well, because very often, When you've got hair like mine, you can't get it under control without a lot of time and effort. And sometimes I just can't be bothered. So what better than to have a collection of hats to choose from uh, to basically cover it up? (laughs) Papering over the cracks, I think, is the term we would all use. Right. Okay. let's run through some of the uh, big stories in the media uh, this morning. We'll touch on the Arsenal ones. Uh sorry, we'll focus on the Arsenal ones specifically and we'll do those in a little bit more detail. So first, let's go through some of the big ones not related to Arsenal, just to bring you up to speed. And let's start with a report from Mundo Deportivo in Spain, who say that Barcelona manager Xavi is determined to bring Liverpool and Egypt striker Mo Salah to the new camp as the cash-strapped Catalan Giants look to set uh, look set, sorry, to miss out on main target Erling Braut Haaland. Uh, Another Barcelona-related report, this comes from Fabrizio Romano. He says um, that although Barcelona are interested in Erling Haaland, President Joan Laporta has said that he won't put the club at financial risk just to sign the player. He also goes on to say in the mail this morning that the Catalan club also have an eye on Bayern Munich and Poland striker Robert Lewandowski. Uh, Elsewhere, Liverpool's hopes of signing midfielder Gavi from Barcelona have been boosted, apparently, after the 17-year-old turned down a third offer of a new deal at Barcelona. I mean, Gavi is like the Xavi um, of, of Barcelona today. If I were Barcelona, I'd be bending over backwards to keep that player. And if he was to leave and join somebody like Liverpool, I think that would be the biggest indication we've had yet of the fact that Barcelona are, are pretty much, I don't want to say finished because obviously they've got the potential to rise back up again, but that would be a really damning indictment of where Barcelona are and where they've fallen in recent seasons. So I don't want to see Gavi leave there. I certainly don't want to see him go to Liverpool. Um, Staying on the theme of Barcelona, because they're heavily featured in this morning's media, uh, apparently Leeds United have rejected a £29 million offer from them for the Brazilian winger Rafinha, whose buyout clause is set at £60 million. So Barcelona nowhere near uh, that price tag. But if Barcelona keep offering, keep chipping away at Leeds and, and the player uh, makes his case, then that could be a deal that I think may happen. You know, if you're Rafinha, You've given Leeds your all. You don't want to be fighting and scrapping for relegation every season. And I know it's not been every season. They were very comfortable last season. But this time around, it's been a real struggle for Rafinha. And I'm sure a lot of the reason that Rafinha joined Leeds United in the first place, and this is not to to disrespect Leeds, was Marcelo Bielsa. And he's no longer there. Uh, Just taking it on a a little bit, uh, Newcastle United are preparing to fight AC Milan to sign 22-year-old Netherlands defender Sven Botman from Lille after failing to land him in January that's according to the times remember Newcastle went big on the Dutchman Sven Botman in January they tried desperately to bring him in they didn't manage it in the end and they turned their attentions later on in the window to Dan Burn uh, who they brought in from Brighton. Um, as I say, we'll come back to the Arsenal stuff in just a minute because I want to do that in detail. Uh, Manchester United are said to be keen on the Switzerland defender, Manuel Akanji, uh, 26 years old, and he's refused a new contract offer at Borussia Dortmund. He's valued by the Bundesliga club at around about £25 million. Pounds. That's according to the Mirror. That's a deal that you would feel is doable for Manchester United, right? They've they've got uh, the financial power to do a deal like that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, What else have we got here? Um, Liverpool, Man City and Manchester United are all battling to sign Rangers' 16-year-old Scottish striker, Rory Wilson. That's according to the star. Uh, Liverpool say they will not, or football Insider say, I beg your pardon, that Liverpool will not join the race to sign Declan Rice this summer, despite Klopp being a huge admirer of the 23-year-old. He is a target, though, for Manchester United, Manchester City, and Chelsea. Uh Marcelo Bielsa, according to the um star, has been contacted about returning to management less than a month after being sacked by Leeds United. I'm sure there will be plenty of suitors. Look, with, with Marcelo Bielsa, it didn't go well towards the end. We all know that you know he was struggling, his team was struggling, and it was a really, really difficult period for him. The methodology never changed. Um, you know, it never changed at all. The methodology was was consistent. Unfortunately, the performance and the fact that they had players unavailable so often, um, you know, was uh, was a problem for them. And and they couldn't maintain that level of performance. It just kind of run its course, didn't it, at Leeds United? But there's no doubt that Marcelo Bielsa is a very, very good coach. Uh, just quickly, Nathan Hunt says, too much hanging around Tom. Your clickbait is horrible. I don't think Tom's a clickbaiter. Uh, first of all, and secondly, what have I? I haven't really clickbaited today. I think this is the most one of the most modest, non-clickbaitiest titles that I've put on one of these transfer shows in a long bloody time. So I'm, I'm not really sure um, why you've uh, why you've decided to pick that up today of all days. If you'd said it yesterday, I might have agreed with you, but not today. Uh, Hollywood actor George Clooney has not ruled out the prospect of buying Derby County. He'd be the best looking owner, wouldn't he? In the football league. Good old George Clooney. Uh, Moving on West Ham uh, are looking to get Nikola Milenkovic from Fiorentina. Uh, Apparently the Serbian defender has a gentleman's agreement in place with the Hammers. That's according to team talk. Ismaila Saar of Watford, um, could leave for Liverpool in the summer with the Reds reigniting their interest in the 24-year-old Senegal winger, but they face competition from AC Milan. Uh, elsewhere, Tottenham are said to be lining up a deal for French defender Boubacar Kamara, whose contract at Marseille ends in the summer. That's according to Football.London. Uh, Marker say that Real Madrid's Eden Hazard will have surgery this week, keeping him out of action for a month and complicating a mooted return to Chelsea for the 31-year-old Belgian playmaker. I've got to be honest, I never thought uh, that Eden Hazard would return to Chelsea. So that one feels like a bit of a non-story to me. But that rounds up sort of the wider stories. Let's home in on the Arsenal-related ones. And let's start off by talking about Darwin Nunez. Now, of course, he's a player that we've been heavily linked with. He's a player that we've put out an episode on. Uh, uh, discussing his suitability and, and all the qualities that he would bring to the team. And in the last few days, it feels like everybody and anybody is being linked with a move for Darwin Nunez. He's young, he's athletic, he's strong, he's physical. I think he's got all of the qualities to succeed in the Premier League. He's 22 years old, which makes him a very attractive prospect. And Benfica are a club that normally, and I don't, again, mean this disrespectfully, you can prize players away from. So you can understand why this one's uh, getting a lot of traction. Um, so according uh, to The Athletic, they say that the Magpies, Newcastle United, are now interested in the player as well. We've already heard about Manchester United supposedly looking at him. We've already heard about West Ham also having an interest, but it seems that Newcastle United have uh, have uh, have some interest in the player as well. Now, what I would say about Newcastle United, it's the same I said about West Ham. You know Newcastle, differently to West Ham, obviously have the finances to make this happen, and the finances to make this uh, appealing for Darwin Nunez. They also have uh, the whole, you know, selling point of this being a new project and this go, you know, them looking to close the gap on the top four and get into the top four possibly in the next couple of seasons. So that is attractive to a lot of players. We saw a lot of players jump on the Chelsea bandwagon when they first started doing it. We saw a lot of players jump on. The Manchester City bandwagon when they started doing it. If you've got money and you've you've shown ambition, then I think people are more receptive to that fact. But let's not mess around here. This is Arsenal Football Club. Arsenal Football Club are on the up. Arsenal Football Club, um, you know, stand a solid and a very good chance at this moment in time of qualifying for the Champions League next season. And Arsenal Football Club still have and carry a prestige that the likes of Newcastle United and West Ham just don't have. And I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to either of those two clubs. It's just facts, And I think that if Darwin Nunez is the guy I think he is, is the humble, um, young, hungry lad who knows exactly where he's come from, I think that if it was a choice between uh, the clubs that I've mentioned, I think he would come to Arsenal as long as the finance was right. And that is on Arsenal. You know, if we want this guy, if we feel he's the right guy, then we got to make it happen. We've got to make it um, a viable deal. And, um, and, you know, at this point we're all sitting here saying, yeah, get him, go and get him, go get him. We don't really know how strong the interest is within the club, right? Mikel Arteta, um, Edu, what are their views on him? Is he the number one target for them? We don't really know that. We keep hearing repeatedly that Arsenal are super interested in Alexander Isak. So would they explore the possibility of doing that deal? Um, you know, this summer, uh, or, um, you know, would they, would they just kind of scrap that and move straight to somebody like Darwin Nunez? That remains to be seen. So my doubt and reservation about this is our arsenal as interested as we think they are, as opposed to whether or not he's attainable. I think he absolutely is. Uh, just going back to my comment that I made about Manchester City and Chelsea, when I said players started jumping on the bandwagon, Des Lynham is looking to, um, Looking to pull that up, he says, so winning the Premier League and the Champions League is now jumping on the bandwagon. That's not the point I made, Des. The point I made is that these pl- like, players join these clubs prior to them having won a Champions League or a Premier League. Big, high-profile players were willing to go there because they had money and they had a project to sell. I'm not talking about what happened after they won Premier League titles and after they won Champions Leagues. I'm talking about that initial breakthrough period that Newcastle are trying to to make happen now. Newcastle were fighting relegation five weeks ago. You can't say that they're the most appealing prospect in the world. Yes, they've got money, but now they're at the point where they need to start selling the project. And just like Manchester City and just like Chelsea, money talks in a lot of ways, and I'm sure they'll be able to convince Uh, A lot of players, but they've still got a long way to go. You know, Chelsea, when Roman Abramovich took over Chelsea, and I know we joke about them and mock them for what they were as a football club prior to his arrival, but they were sort of fourth, fifth, maybe sixth in the Premier League. They weren't fighting relegation the way Newcastle was. A much bigger sell at the Newcastle job than Chelsea was at that point. Plus London. London is a massive selling point for players that are coming from abroad. So it's not going to be as easy for Newcastle to get this going and, and hit those elite level players before they qualify for a Champions League. It's it's not going to be as easy as it was for Chelsea. It's not going to be as easy as it was for Manchester City, I don't think. Um, but players were willing to join those clubs at that point. I think players will be willing to join Newcastle too, but I still think Arsenal have a greater prestige than them and the rest of the world will probably feel like that. Um Des also goes on to say Liverpool won both, Harry, without spending money. Yeah, but we're not talking about competing with Liverpool for this player, are we? So I, I, I don't really get where you're going with this. You just uh, You're just looking to dig out what I said. But the fact is that Arsenal, in terms of a club, in terms of their prestige, in terms of their appeal, are up here and Newcastle United are here at the moment. Newcastle might get there and probably will get there if they continue to spend in the way that we think they're going to spend, but they're not there today. So if we go head to head with Newcastle for Darwin Nunez, we should be able to bring him to the club. That's all I'm saying. That's literally all I'm saying. Okay, so that's the latest on the Benfica striker. Uh, This story about Tite that we spoke about yesterday, the 60-year-old Brazilian boss uh, who's planning to step down from his post uh, after the Qatar World Cup. This story is not going away. Like I said yesterday that it was nonsense and I do believe uh, it is nonsense. I don't think that there's anything to it. I don't think that Edu is lining him up to replace Mikel Arteta because I don't believe that Mikel Arteta is leaving. But this has again been reported today uh, by ESPN. Uh, So just one to kind of be aware of uh, there. Uh, Apparently Arsenal and Tottenham are courting the French midfielder Leslie Oguchukwu, 18 year old who plays for ren um that's according to lekeep I, I don't know an awful lot about this player um, I really don't. I would um, I would like to do a little bit of research on him and, and understand a little bit more about what his qualities are for sure. Um, but it's interesting because I've seen this story come out and then I've seen quite a few people on social media, for example, uh, really kind of singing his praises, which suggests that they've seen him or he was someone that was already on their radar, as I always like to do. If this story does pick up, if it does go anywhere, if it does feel like there's progress, then of course uh, we um, we will do a little bit more of a deep dive into the player and we'll try and get somebody onto the program who is more knowledgeable than me. Uh, on that particular story, uh, but yeah, um, that's that's a report doing the rounds today. Arsenal linked with Ren midfielder Leslie Oguchuku, who's just 18 years old. Another story that's come up today, and it's a familiar story. This one comes from Gazeta della Sport is that Arsenal and Switzerland midfielder Granite Xhaka remains a target for Roma boss Jose Mourinho. We went through the whole Granite Xhaka saga last summer, didn't we? We thought he was leaving, um. We thought that that deal was very, very close to being done. We thought that Arsenal were going to go out and bring in the Xhaka replacement that so many uh, of the Arsenal fans want to see coming. And it didn't happen. Granit Xhaka stayed. And I think he's actually had a very, very good season. Um, Listen, I'm not desperate to move Granite Xhaka on like some Arsenal fans are. I, I really don't get that perspective. I understand that you might look at him and think, well, particularly in the role that he's being asked to play now, that we could bring somebody in a little bit more suited. And I I completely agree with that. Um, But what I don't want us to do is to let an experienced senior player go who clearly has a lot of clout and a lot of of sort of weight in the dressing room, who's clearly respected by his teammates, who's clearly uh, respected by the manager, what I don't want to do is lose a player like that who who is one of our senior guys and bring in someone who's a, a massive risk. Not at this point. We're already in a position where we've got a load of youngsters basically carrying the flag for us. And I think it's so important that you complement those players with experience and, and with know-how. And I know that people would argue that Granite Xhaka can be a liability at times, and he absolutely can. But I think for the most part, he brings a lot to this side. So... I don't mind him leaving. I don't mind Arsenal moving him on. I was quite resigned to the fact last summer that we were going to move him on, and I kind of made my peace with that. But it needs to be to bring in somebody who's an upgrade. It can't be to take another gamble and another risk. That's the way I see it. But look, he signed that contract extension. Granite Xhaka isn't going anywhere until Granite Xhaka wants to go, because I think the club are quite happy with him. I think Arsenal. Uh, internally, Mikel Arteta and co are happy with him. So I don't see this being as an urgent one. Roma might reignite their interest, but if their offer and if what they're willing to put on the table is as as embarrassing, um, you know, or as insulting as the one that they tabled last summer, then you can bet that he won't be going anywhere. So that's the latest on Granit Xhaka's future, who once again, is being linked with a move away. That kind of rounds up uh, the stories uh, doing the rounds in the press this morning, uh, coming from Spain, coming from Italy, coming from Germany, you name it. Uh, stories doing the rounds everywhere. It is an international break-in, so naturally you get a, a lot more of these kind of, I don't want to call them far-fetched. I think the Tite one is nonsense. That's far, as far-fetched as they come. But other than that, I think, um, I think that a lot of of those stories, stories that you shouldn't maybe swallow completely, but that you should kind of keep an eye on and uh, and, and be aware of. It's interesting, the Barcelona stuff, isn't it? That despite their desperation and, and need and want to get back to the very elite level and quickly, uh, that Joanne Laporta recognises the risk that the club are in financially and so doesn't want to take that risk to bring someone like Erling Haaland in, who I think, by the way, is probably going Uh, To Manchester City. Right, we're going to uh, switch our focus and our attention to how some of our players got on on international duty. We're going to be talking about Lauren Koscielny's retirement and uh, we'll be taking some of your questions in the second part of the show. Welcome back to part two of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. It's our press review show in which we take you through the big stories Doing the rounds from Europe's press, sometimes from South America's press as well, depending on the player consent. Uh, let's say a few more hellos in the chat because a lot more have joined us uh, since we initially uh, went live. Uh, let's say a big hello to uh, Riddy to Jid. Um, let's take a couple of comments actually uh, before we move on. Just going, just going back over some of the subjects that we did discuss. Jid uh, says Xhaka has been rated and started by Wenger, Emery. And now Mourinho matches with over 40 collective trophies won. Yet somehow the fan base thinks that the man is not good enough. It's an interesting point. Uh, big hello to Riddy, who joins us live after a while. He says, keep up the great content, loving it. Thank you so much, mate. And welcome uh, back to the live stream. Um, OK, let's let's switch our attention to international duty. Let's start by talking about William Saliba, who made his French first team senior debut last night in their win over the Ivory Coast. Uh, William Saliba is a player that we've talked a lot about of late. Will he stay? Will he go? It seemed, as I was saying with Tom Canton on our show the other day, that it was a done deal, that William Saliba was coming back and he was going to fight and compete for a place in Arsenal's first team. But now it doesn't look like that's the case. Now Now it looks like his future is very much up in the air. Are Arsenal going to bring him back? Are Arsenal going to be able to persuade him that he's got a worthwhile role um, and that he will get game time and that this is the place for him to continue and develop um, in terms of his his level? Because it seems that there is interest gathering now after what's been overall a good loan spell at Marseille. We're hearing this morning that there's interest from France, that there's interest from Spain and that there's interest from Italy uh, in the Arsenal defender What's the price point at which you would sell him? Because, look, let's be honest with this, right? Mikel Arteta clearly wasn't convinced about him when he first came in, which is why he didn't get a look in. It's why he was sent out. We don't really know if that was due to ability or if it was due to attitude, if it was due to the player's character, if it was just very much one of those where he went, I think you've got the potential, but I just don't see you being at that level today. And I need answers today. I need solutions now. It would be interesting to see what happens in the summer and whether Mikel Arteta has a sort of price point at which if an offer came in, he'd go, well, you know, there's there's a risk that it still ain't going to work out at Arsenal. So let's move him on. I'd be very, very interested to know that. Look, if somebody came in and offered sort of 40, 50 million pounds, which is what we're kind of hearing, um, what's being reported, what's being mooted. Uh, I saw that term in one of the reports earlier. I haven't used it for years. If if somebody was to come in and make an offer of that size, I think you have to consider it just on the basis that we haven't seen him play for Arsenal and there's no guarantee that he's going to hit the level that we want him to. If we were to do that, we'd be coming out of this whole William Saliba saga with a £20 million profit pretty much would be pretty good for what a lot of people felt at the time was a mistake. Now, I'm not saying it was a mistake in terms of going out and getting William Saliba. I'm not saying it was a mistake to look at this player, identify him as someone with the potential to go on and somebody who uh, could potentially marshal our defence for years to come. But I think you can argue that if you pay £27, £30 million pounds for a centre-half and he goes two and a half years without playing for you, that you've probably at the very least overpaid. So if somebody came in and offered 50 odd million pounds, 50 million euros even, I think that that's something that you should consider. Let me know in the chat, would you consider um, an offer for William Saliba around about that amount of money? Or if not, what is the point at which you would look at William Saliba? What's the price point at which you would say, I'll have a good think about this. Let me know in the chat. It's an interesting um, question, but obviously good to see William Saliba get making his French senior debut. He came on in the second half. um, I think it was around about the 54th, 55th minute, uh, something like that. But he did manage to get on um, for Le Bleu. Uh, Also um, on the subject of France, Olivier Giroud netted again for France. And that means now he's just four goals away from Thierry Henry's record. I mean, it's um it's remarkable, isn't it? Because this is a player who got so much criticism and so much stick during his time at Arsenal. I always felt he was undervalued, always felt um he was underappreciated. But, you know, I I just I've got to tip my hat to him because yeah, there was that whole thing with Chelsea and he mocked us a little bit, didn't he, when they won the Europa League and all of that stuff understandably so. We we bombed him out to bring in Aubameyang. And yeah, Aubameyang was a good signing at the time, but you could argue that we could have still got something out of Giroud, that he could have been uh, useful to us. And we were very quick, weren't we, to kind of u- clear him out of the way to bring in different players and different strikers and go down a different route. And so he probably felt like he needed to kind of make that point against Arsenal. Look, I don't have a problem with players showing emotion in the moment and being committed to the team that they're playing for, whatever. A lot of Arsenal fans lost their minds over that. For me, it, was, it wasn't it was a really big deal. I didn't like it, didn't enjoy it at the time, but I'm well and truly over it. But just to think that this guy could go on and be France's all-time greatest goal scorer, and you think about some of the players that have worn that famous blue shirt, uh, that's quite a remarkable achievement if he goes on to achieve it. Even to be second is is a remarkable achievement. So, um, I think you've got to tip your hat to Olivier Giroud because he constantly proves people wrong and um, and he's been brilliant uh, throughout his career, you have to say. Uh, moving on, or staying on the theme of that game, Nicolas Pepe uh, put in a very, very bright performance for the Ivory Coast, scored a brilliant goal with, yes, his right foot. Nicolas Pepe scored a goal with his right foot uh, to uh, put Ivory Coast in the lead in that game. Uh, he was a nuisance for France, Uh, from that right-hand side so, so often throughout that game. So, uh, great to see Nicolas Pepe growing in confidence as well. And uh, we all know and accept and acknowledge that he's going to have a big role to play, I think, if Arsenal are going to sustain their push for a Champions League play. So, it's good to see him confident and at the top of his game. Um, Martin Odegaard also on the score sheet for Norway. Really, really good goal. Bent it into the corner. Uh, Brilliant finish and good to see Martin Odegaard uh, continuing to grow in confidence particularly when it comes to goal scoring because that's the one bit of his game that I feel you know we're just not getting the maximum out of. I think his link-up play is excellent, his passing's brilliant, his vision uh, is is second to none. His ability to press, his work rate, all of that is you know tip top from Martin Odegaard, but if he could just add a few more goals to his game, that's what takes him from being a really good uh, creative midfield player to a world-class one. And uh, and to see him score on international duties is obviously very, very encouraging. Also want to just quickly touch on the retirement of Laurent Koscielny. Um, of course, he announced his retirement, uh, when Bordeaux announced his retirement a couple of days ago. Uh, and it's kind of gone under the radar, but it's kind of being discussed now in the kind of Arsenal world. And I just want to say, like, happy retirement to Lauren Koscielny. I know the way he left the club wasn't nice and it wasn't ideal and the whole refusal to go on the pre-season tour and all that, it left a real sour taste, didn't it? And it was one of a number of issues we had around that time with sort of player discipline and uh, and player kind of attitude. I, I still think that there was more to that that we're not aware of. You know, there's been reports that... He was told that he could leave the club and Arsenal went back on their word, not just once, but twice, uh, which you can understand would be incredibly frustrating. This is a guy who gave us nine years of service. He played over 350 times uh, for Arsenal Football Club, captained the club. Um, and and I think that, it, you know, as, as Tom so rightly said on our show the other day, Tom Canton, that is, of the Guna Talk. Make sure you check out the Guna Talk. Make sure you're subscribed to it. As he so rightly said the other day, he used a great example of how when somebody does lots of good things and one wrong thing, the the wrong thing, the bad thing is the one that always ends up being highlighted. And I, I don't really look at it like that with footballers. I think everybody's career comes to a crossroads. Everybody's time at a club comes to an end. It's very rare that a player kind of gets to the end at the top of his game. No fallings out, no... Uh, no contentious issues and then just walks off into the sunset it very very rarely happens particularly in the modern game so uh, to me I, I just think that there was more good from kashoni than there was bad was he the greatest central defender we've ever had no i think he did make a lot of mistakes in key moments and that cap, that carling cup final whatever it was called at the time comes to mind uh, of course But I think overall, he was a good servant to Arsenal Football Club and I'd just like to wish him a happy retirement. Okay, uh, let's get some of your thoughts. Let's get some of your questions in from the live chat box. Lots of um, lots of uh, reaction to my comments on William Saliba. So let's hear what you guys have to say. Fill up the chat box and we're going to answer your questions just after this. (laughs) okay let's head over to the chat box and see what you guys are saying um hopes on the Saliba thing says i'd give him a contract extension see how he gets on in the premier league which determines what to do he plays on the right hand side of a three allowing us to play with wingbacks i don't think Mikel arteta wants to play with wingbacks though so does that change your opinion if that's what you believe Saliba's best role is I'm not sure that that's what Mikel Arteta wants to go with. So maybe he'll look at it as not being the right fit. Sometimes you can look at a player and say he's a good player and I like him and he's got a lot of quality, but he just doesn't fit in with what I'm going to do. I'm not saying that's the case with Saliba. I'm I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate to your point here. Um, But yeah, and the other thing, though, is right now he's at the peak of his value in terms of what it's been so far. Now, he might go on to be a great servant for Arsenal, a great centre-back in the Premier League, and then that value goes up and up and up and up and up. But having not played for Arsenal, to be at a point where people are thinking about spending big money on him, it feels like we've kind of salvaged, by sending him on this loan and it going quite well, we've almost salvaged what could have been a transfer disaster to the point where, at the very, very least, if we did want to sell him, we could at least now get back what we paid. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's a bit like the Joe, I don't want to compare it directly to the Joe Willock situation, but it is similar in a way, in the sense of Joe Willock at the time we sold him to Newcastle, I, I don't think his value would have gone any higher. I think he would have stayed at the club. He wouldn't have played very much. And then that value would have been decreasing all the time. And I think there's a bit of a worry and a danger that that could happen with Saliba. At the moment, he's a regular for Marseille. He's forced his way into the French team. And so his value is up here. But if he was to return to Arsenal and play second fiddle to Ben White and Gabriel and not get all that much game time and be somebody who, if we were in the Europa League, for example, is is our Europa League centre-half, then you're not really going to be able to demand 50-odd million for him, which is what is being reported that people are considering paying for him now. So that's the kind of point that I think we need to consider here. And I think that's what the club will need to consider. We've talked about them being shrewd in the transfer market in terms of bringing players in. Um, Yeah, they've had to overpay at times. We've talked about them being quite forceful and moving players on and and paying off contracts and all of that stuff. But also, or or, or I guess the one thing that I look at and think that we haven't done well enough, and I don't really blame this on Arteta and Edu because you can't sell something that people don't want. Um, But we haven't been very good at cashing in at the right time on players uh, sort of traditionally over the years. So I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Um, What else have we got? Uh, (laughs) Hopes also says Professor Wenger found Giroud. He did it again. Two top scoring French strikers. Well, certainly a market that he knows brilliantly and did know brilliantly and and always acted quite well. And I think Uh, Ross Morgan says, morning, Harry, love the hat pal. Thank you very much. Hope you are Well, um, Priceless Truth says, "Why would Arsenal sell Saliba for fifty million? That's fifty million for a good defender. I'm not. I'm not even. Look, I'm not even necessarily saying that they should. Like if Arsenal think that this guy can come back and be, you know, a real key player for us moving forward and be part of this new Arsenal that we're all loving, uh, watching so much at the moment, then bring him back. I've got no problem with it. All I'm saying is that." In my mind, I'm not completely convinced that Arsenal are 100% convinced themselves on Saliba. I'm not sure the player is convinced that Arsenal is the right place for him, based on those comments that he made the other day. But that could be a consequence of him not really getting that vibe and that feeling from Arsenal. So there's a lot to think about this situation. There's a lot to unpack, and it's not as black and white as saying, you know, well, we have to keep him if he doesn't want to stay and the manager isn't really sure, then you might as well cash in and get your money. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Um, yeah. And you'd probably have to go and spend around about that sort of money to get in a top centre half. There's no doubt about that. Oh, my Jesus. The biggest bee i I've ever seen in my life has just flown it and it's gone back out. Honestly, it was that big. Um, I wonder if you heard it on my microphone. Did you hear it coming through on the microphone? Jesus, that was loud. But yeah, that, that's the point I'm making when it comes to um, to William Saliba. If the club aren't convinced, if he's not convinced, if Arteta's not convinced, then you might as well get your money for him. That, that's all I'm saying. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Ross says, uh, do you think we would be able to keep Xhaka as a backup? I'm not sure that Xhaka's ego would be able to cope with the idea of being a backup player and being a substitute. And at that point, I think he'd probably himself look to engineer and move away and and sort of indicate maybe to the club that he feels his future is elsewhere. That's um, that that's kind of my view on that. I, 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 some players they're okay with that, you know. Some players are happy to be in and out. I think naturally there's going to be more rotation if we do make the Champions League and if we do make uh, the Europa League, whichever European competition we're in. If we're in, uh, there will be uh, there will be some rotation needed, but. I think he'll want to be the go-to. I think he'll want to be the main man alongside Thomas Partey in the middle of the park. And to be fair to him, him and Thomas Partey as a pair and as a combination right now uh, have been brilliant. Okay, what else uh, have we got? Uh, Falasana says Saliba won't accept playing for Arsenal as a squad player, but he has an opportunity to start for Marseille, who are more likely to qualify for the Champions League as compared to Arsenal. Yeah, but you got to weigh that up, fella. Because yes, you've got more chance of qualifying for the Champions League with Marseille because there's less competition in the French league. But on the other hand, you're playing in a worse league week in week out. So you know you, your ambition to play in the Champions League is is one thing, and it's great. But does it not have? Does it not tie up with your overall ambitions? And listen, you you play in the in the Champions League with Marseille. You might play six games in the group stage. If you're lucky, you might scrape through to the round of 16. But then you got to play, what, 34-whatever games in the French League and over the Premier League. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, but I think that the league thing has got to be a factor as well. Um, Des Lynham says, uh, come on, Harry, how can you compare Willock to Saliba when Saliba hasn't played a game for Arsenal? You are literally looking to pick up on every point I make. that." The point I was making, Des, is not that they're the same in terms of their quality or they're the same player or they're playing the same position. It's not what I was saying. The point I was saying is that if you're unsure, like we were unsure whether Joe Willock was was good enough to play in our midfield week in, week out. An offer came in of £25 million and that doubt meant that Arsenal felt it was best to cash in, take the money and move on from Joe Willock. And what I'm saying is if there's any doubt in William Saliba and whether he is good enough to be one of our centre-backs moving forward and there is an offer on the table, an appealing offer, just like Newcastle's offer was for Joe Willock, then you should consider it. That's the comparison, mate. Uh, lots of you saying I'm wrong with the Saliba thing. That's fine. It's, it's my opinion. It's my view. Um, I, I, would, I personally would like to see him come back and stay at the club. I'm just saying that. If he's talking about his future not being certain and he's saying that it wouldn't be a bad idea to stay at Marseille and Arsenal are staying radio silent on whether he's coming back or not, then you you have to kind of read between the lines and maybe process the idea that perhaps <laughs> there, isn't, there isn't this desire on all sides for this to go the way that a lot of us want it to go, which is him come back to the club. For me, it's one of those situations where forget what we want, what's actually happening. If William Saliba had been categorically told and convinced that he was going to be the future centre-half for Arsenal and that his place was at Emirates Stadium, he wouldn't be talking in the press the way he's been talking recently. Equally, Arsenal have the power. It's not all at Saliba's door. Arsenal have the power to come out and say, William Saliba is ours. We love the progress he's made at Marseille and he'll be back here next season as part of our squad moving forward. We just don't know how this is going to go. We just don't know. And if a big offer comes in, that throws a spanner in the works. It gives you something else to consider. That's what I'm saying. Uh, what else have we got? Let's say a big hello to... Where's he gone? Uh, big hello to Trev. Hope you're well, man. Uh, watching us uh, live on Facebook. Hope you're good. Uh, he says the Saliba situation is one of the strangest I've seen if he's not back in the country next season, then sell him. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I uh, hope you're well, mate. I hope you're keeping uh, well. Uh, big hello to peanut butter jelly time. Lots of uh, hack comments today. Uh, Henry Gunas says the Saliba Ultras are out to get you, H. They are indeed. Okay, uh, we are going to leave it there. Um, thank you for joining us on today's uh, The Press Review show. We're going to be bringing you this at 10 a.m. Uh, on a daily basis. Hopefully, there will be the odd day where we can't do it and there'll be the odd day where there's nothing to talk about, so we won't. But uh, we'll be aiming to get this out at 10am. It doesn't change uh, the rest of the show schedule. Still be bringing you main podcasts at 5pm UK time and we'll still be slotting Chronicles of Aguna Extra episodes in between the two shows. Uh, whenever relevant or at whatever hour of the day is relevant. Uh, We'll be back very, very soon with more. Enjoy uh, the remainder of the international break because shit is going to get crazy again Um, after this uh, one is over. There are no more, remember, between now and the end of what's going to be a really imperative part of the season. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, We're slowly making our way towards nineteen and a half thousand. Uh, on YouTube, and then we'll be pushing towards that 20K. Uh, really, really desperately want to get there uh, by the end of the season, because that was my objective. That was my goal, and I don't like missing out uh, on objectives. So if you could give me a hand, that would be great. Uh, also, hit the like button uh, and get it up to 100, because we're nowhere near that. and We should be. It's more than enough of you watching. Uh, we'll catch you all soon, and until next time, take care of yourselves and enjoy the sunshine. All the best. Goodbye.